Welcome to the Palmetto Street Church of God message podcast. We pray that you are inspired by today's message, and we hope that you share and subscribe to this podcast so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can go forth and reach many people in our world today. Enjoy the message. The Bible said, And again the word of the Lord came to Haggai on the 24th day of the month, saying, Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake heaven and earth. I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and those who ride in them. The horses and the riders shall come down. This is future riding, but it's also for the present moment with Zerubbabel and with us. And I'll prove that to you. Every one of them the sword of his brother. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel. Notice the focus to this one individual at the conclusion of the book of Haggai. Watch what he calls him. My servant, son of Shatil, says the Lord, I will make you like a signet ring. Everybody look at your wedding ring. Everybody look at your wedding ring. For those of you that are married, you want to be married, go ahead and speak it in Jesus' name. Amen. Those of you that are married and you think it's something else, I rebuke that right now in Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) Watch what he says to him, for I have chosen you. Watch that wedding imagery right there. We're going to talk about that during the service. I have chosen you. Very significant because this man comes from a fallen family. A family because of another generation done a disservice to the kingdom of God. Now he finds himself in position and God makes this crazy statement. God says, I choose you, says the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for choosing me. When others rejected, you said, no, I'll take you. And I said, God, but what about my past? And you said, what about Calvary? And I said, God, about what about the things that I've done? You said, what about my blood? And God, I said, well, what about my future? I can't do much. And you said, you already put gifts inside of me that I'm running from. Who can do that but God? And so, Father, now I submit to you, God, for the uses today, for that that you've ordained me for. For my anointing did not come from my mother nor my father. It came from you, God. And for that, God, I need you now to work. Use me as a pen in your hand. And God, when you're through with me, sit me down today. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Priorities of the kingdom. The last sermon. It has been the ambition of this series to grab a hold of the people of God and return us back to our first love. We've used the book of Haggai to do that. In the book of Haggai, there are four sermons, four words from God. First one I gave to you is, O ye that dwell in sealed houses, and my house lies in waste. 50,000 Jews come back from exile, been away in Babylonian captivity, symbolic of you and I when we live in sin. They come back from that captivity, and when they come back, they're there only 50,000 though, and they start building the temple of God. The temple of God represents the presence of God in the Old Testament. They start building and they realize that there's opposition. They're still up under Persian rule, but there's opposition by those in the community that doesn't want to see the temple rebuilt. And so because of that opposition, they stop. They stop building. They have the foundation or they start, but they begin to do something that God rebukes them for. They start building their own house. And when it comes to their own house, they spare no expense. And I told you that God doesn't mind you having nice things or having a nice house. He said, 
just build mine first. Just put me first. Because I've got greater things for you than brick and mortar. I've got a calling and my presence for your life. Came back with a second sermon. Second sermon was one of encouragement. God said, I want you to start back building, but when you start back building, know this, be of good courage. He said it over and over. Be of good courage. Be strong. It's not going to be easy, but it shall be worth it. He said, be of good courage. Build, which means you got to do something. And then he said, do not fear, because I'm going to do a great work in you. So the people of God started rebuilding. Then all of a sudden, instead of outside opposition, they have an internal problem because their internal expectation of seeing the temple before is not meeting what they think they can build now, so they stop after 21 days. God shows back up again, and he tells them that they've got to keep going forward. The third sermon came right after that, God said to them last week. When they started back building the temple, God wanted to remind them that he had to be first. Just let me bring you up, then I'll start new. He said to them, I want you to know that giving God just a little bit of your life it's not going to be enough. Before, if you have a little bit of God, it's not going to make everything better. You remember the milkshake illustration last week, right? Anybody? Milkshake brings everybody to the church? <laughs> so anyway, so I, I showed you that. But a little bit of sin shall defile somebody. And what God was letting them know, it's not a little bit of me and a lot of the world. I've got to be first in your life. And if I'm first, I'll reverse the curse that's on your life because God said, I want to bless you. Is that not beautiful? You remember the Uno illustration that I used that I got in trouble for this week? Last week, amen. So this is where I want to pick up today. Now the fourth word. God comes back one more time with an encouraging word. The first sermon and the third sermon are alike. The second sermon and the fourth sermon are alike in the book of Haggai. The two has a strong rebuke and two have a strong encouragement. The fourth sermon is a strong encouragement today, but notice the difference. It's almost pointed to one person, Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel is being mentioned now because of the significance of his heritage. God begins to speak to him because God is working out something that I'm about to show you that I believe will amaze you if you've never heard it. God is working out something greater because God is sovereign. God is holy. God's in your tomorrow. God's waiting for you to get there. Nothing takes God off guard. God is not surprised by our economy. God is not surprised by our current status. God is not surprised by cancer. God is not surprised by chaos and confusion. God is already there. When I get to 45, God's already been there for 45 billion years. Is anybody listening? God is already there. So it begins to speak to Zerubbabel. Remember, there are three people mentioned, Haggai, Joshua, and Zerubbabel. Up to this point, when Zerubbabel is mentioned, it's always with Joshua. But now he's mentioned by himself. Why is that, Pastor? Because what, what you don't know is that Zerubbabel has a grandfather. That grandfather is in a lineage of people that are symbolic the Bible lets us know about the David covenant or the Davidic covenant back in 2 Samuel chapter 7. The Bible lets us know that God was going to establish a covenant to bring about the Messiah. And what you don't know up to Haggai's point here, Zerubbabel is not just any person. He has a title now. He's the governor of Judah. But that's not really what he was born for. He was born with a heritage and a lineage to be about the covenant that would bring Jesus Christ. But because of his grandfather, because his grandfather was not a godly man. His grandfather, Jehoiakim, was a man that disappointed God, a man that didn't obey God. His grandfather was the reason that the Babylonians come and the Babylonians take the people of God into exile. How would you like to live that down today? 
How would you like to be around the crowd? And everybody in here knows that we could have got a million dollar raise this year, but because Brother Herman didn't obey God, all of us, we lost everything that we had. Now, he can still come to church. Nobody just don't want to talk to him, though. You understand what I'm saying? That's how he felt. There was a black cloud over him. He's a good man, Zerubbabel, but he's caring about the heritage of a grandfather who did not follow God. I come to let you know I can identify with that because if we're all honest in here, we all come from a family that's not perfect because nobody is perfect. And if we're not careful, we could be personified or identified with certain sins. I've pastored for almost 24 years and I've come to realize that certain regions and cities and families it's not every sin that touches them. It's certain sins that grab a hold of them and hold them back. How would you like to be from a family that was known as uh, having a great murderer or a family that was known as grabbing somebody that touched a young person wrong? How would you like to live that down? And so I can see Zerubbabel going, you know what? The temple will never be great. What about God's presence? And above that, I come from a family that even left God and brought most of this upon the people of God. But here's the good news. God is not held back by your family's name. God is not held back by your past. God doesn't care what your great-grandfather did. God doesn't care if your mother or your grandmother had a bad reputation. I serve a God that's more than able to reach down, lift you up, and pick you up, and turn your life around. I serve a given praise. That's all right. I feel like preaching this a little bit. I'm just talking now. I'm preaching a moment. Jehoiakim was the last one before Nebuchadnezzar came. In Jeremiah 22, the Bible said it this way. God said, I think so less of you now that the signet ring that you carried, which buried my authority, my identity, my power, I'm going to take it off of you so where you're in, now you're out. You understand? So like ring, you know, like your marriage ring. When I bought Jessica her marriage ring, Oh, my goodness. Whew, she loved me. She did love me. Amen. But what I didn't know, and I wish Brother Russell, you need to know this, Brother Russell. You need to know this. You need to hear me. That after 10 years, they make up some kind of rule that you have to upgrade. <laughs> what about the sentimental value? And then they got some kind of silver anniversary. <laughs> we'll just dip it in silver, baby. Just dip it in silver. Praise God. <laughs> Man, it's a trap. Anyway, and so, <laughs> I'm talking about the ring. I'm talking about the ring. <laughs> the ring, Russell. The ring, praise God. And so what happened was God said to, to Jehoiakim, I'm going to take that signet ring off of you because you took my people into exile. The children will be born into exile. The children are going to feel my wrath because you did not live up to the standard of God. So God says that this covenant is off of you. But what about his son? And what about now his grandson, Zerubbabel? That's what this sermon is about. God now shows back up and said, I got a word for you. I know back then I told your grandfather this would be off of you, but I got good news for you. I know your neighbors are against you. 
I know you think the temple won't be great as it once was, but Zerubbabel, you don't understand. It's not about the brick and mortar. It's not about the gold. It's not about your grandfather. I'm going to foreshadow something now because in about 500 or so years, I'm going to shake the heavens and I'm going to shake the earth. And what I prophesied in a garden, it's going to come to pass in the book of Matthew. So boy, I don't want you to tell me what I can't do. I want you to realize I'm just getting started in your life and I'm not afraid of your past. I'm not afraid of what happened to your family. I am the God of yesterday, today, and forevermore. I am a holy God and I will show up and do something amazing in your midst. Look to your neighbor and say he's preaching to you. Where there once was broken relationship, now there's about to be the hand of God. Point number one, quickly. He'll give you a new name. Thank God. And you say, Pastor, but Zerubbabel's name doesn't change. But if you understand the meaning of his name, the meaning will not be the same after this. And in the Bible, Old Testament, New, God would, God would change a person and change their name. Abram to Abraham, Sarah to Sarah, Saul to Paul. It was symbolic because he was showing everybody this is a new covenant, a new phase. It, it, you were Shannon. Did you take her last name? No, you didn't take her last name. She took your last name. It is a symbolic of a new covenant. Why, y'all, y'all waiting for me to say something about John Mark? I'm not. Okay, I'll, t- I'll say something if you want me to. Okay, all right. John Mark, he said, Pastor, will you come by my office? I said, sure. So I walked in there. I thought he was going to confess some great sin. So I walked into his office. And when I got in there, he said, Pastor, you know what? I've been praying. And he said, you know what? Everybody on the Andy Griffith show was happy. I said, Okay. I said, I like that show. I I even like Otis, the town drunk. I like him. He said, preacher, you know what I realized? Nobody was married on that show. Nobody. (laughs) I have no idea what that means, and I'm not touching it. Praise God. Amen. A new name. He said, I'll give you a new name. Why? Because where I rejected your grandfather, I'm going to accept you. And where your grandfather was out, what you don't know, you're about to be in. And where your grandfather, we believe, grandfather messed up, I want you to know that the sins of your father are not purged upon you, that you have to accept it. You do not have to accept what people say about you. My God. You don't have to accept when they tell you your family is nothing but a bunch of addicts or your family is a bunch of racists or your family is a bunch of liars or your family is a bunch of this. You tell them that the blood is still able. You tell them that there's a God in heaven. I come to preach to some Jacobs. I come to preach to some Jacobs that are at Jabot because you've been lying and running because your daddy was a liar and a runner. You don't have to be like that. Don't you understand? God can turn you around. You don't have to answer for them. You only have to answer for yourself. Look to your neighbor and say, he's preaching to you. Listen to me. He said he'd give you a new name among the people. Why? Because it was not about what happened two generations before him. It was about what God was trying to do right now. And God was trying to wake Zerubbabel up and realize that I'm doing a new thing in a new day. The Bible gives us this because carrying a bad name is a heavy burden. He doesn't call him a bad name. He calls him his servant. He said, I chose you and you are my servant. 
I come to let somebody know today that God has a sovereign plan and a sovereign will. Does not mean that you are without choice, but it does mean that there's a sovereign God watching over us that has decreed and declared, and he is holy and righteous. What we have to do as the people of God are get up and be holy and be righteous and do our best to follow the voice of the Holy Ghost and keep marching forward in Jesus' name. God is not absent. God is not old. God has not fallen. Just because the world is a mess does not mean God is not in control. But what God is trying to do is remind some Zerubbabel's in this house today, it's not about your mama. It's not about your daddy. I hope everybody is fifth generation Christian. But if you're not, if you're first generation running from the pit of hell, I got good news for you today. God is still your God. (laughs) Your pedigree does not deny his presence. I said your pedigree does not deny his presence. God is doing a new thing in you. Get up and declare it. And when they try to call you back into the game, you tell them you reside and you're not going back anymore because God's got something new to do in your life. I feel like preaching it. Two, 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 two. New ring. Watch this. He says, I'm going to give you a signet ring. You you, you remember that? I read that somewhere. Where did I read that? Go back to Jeremiah. He said, I'm going to put something on you that's going to represent my presence, my identity, my authority. Come here, baby. Come here. Yeah, come here. My beautiful wife. So this is what happened. That's not a trap. It's not a trap. I promise you. So the day I asked her to marry me, this is true, I was still praying. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But what I didn't know, what I didn't know, that this ring that she loves, is that the second or third one? I was kidding. <laughs> she knew that I had already bought the ring. I didn't know that. So I, I took her on a date. It was a beautiful day. You remember that night? Grace night of your life, wasn't it? Praise God. Amen. <laughs> but what I didn't know that she knew that the ring was in the glove compartment of the truck, right? And so by the end of the night, I knew that this date was not going as exactly how I thought it would go. You understand what I'm saying? And finally, she, she said, do you have anything else to tell me or ask me tonight? <laughs> That's close to it. That's close to it. I feel God. So nevertheless, I said, yeah, I think I got one more thing. I got one more thing. And so anyway, I asked her that night, and I put an engagement ring on her because, okay. Oh, okay. Help me. Help me, John Mark. (laughs) Because I wanted to change her name, and I want to realize that I want her in my life, a part of my life, as a helpmate, as my bride, as all that entails because I didn't want to walk alone and I felt like she and I together could do great things for the kingdom of God and above that I loved her and I knew she was a godly woman and a godly mother and she's proven both of them. Not only did she get a new name, I put a ring on it. (laughs) I put a ring on it. And when I put that ring on it, it was to show everybody that I approve of her and I love her and show everybody else that she's off the market. All right, you understand? God says to Zerubbabel where I took the ring off of somebody else, son, 
I want to put it back on you because where you thought you were out and you thought you couldn't get back in because somebody else messed up, I want you to know that I'm going to foreshadow a coming of the Messiah. This is not just about you, boy. This is about a lineage back in 1 Samuel chapter 7 that talks about the Davidic covenant which you belong to. And where I once said you were out, now I'm going to drop the Uno card and reverse it and I'm putting you back into the game because I've got to bring somebody in a few hundred years from now. His name is not just going to be any David. It's going to be the David. It's going to be the Son of God, the Lamb of God that's going to take away the sin of the world. So son, I want you to know I'm going to put a ring on it because you're going to bear my name. You're going to bear my authority. You're going to bear my lineage. You're going to bear my presence and we're going to rebuild this thing the right way. I come and let somebody know today God will put a ring on it. God will bring you into the family of God. I don't care what you've done, where you've been, who you know, or who kicked you out. God is able to bring you in the family of God. Hey. Russell, you're playing with me again, Russell. You're playing. You're playing. It'll reestablish you and it'll promise you for the future. It is a symbol of authority and it means that you are chosen by God. I'm almost done. I come and let somebody know not only a new name, but he will give you a new ring. Could you imagine how Zerubbabel felt day after day? God, are you done with me? God, are you done with my family? I am a governor, but I was meant to be so much more. And God says, boy, I'm not done with you. I want to walk with you, but I don't want to raise up your kingdom. I want to raise up what Hebrew said. I want to raise up my kingdom, for it shall not be shaken, and it shall never end. Praise God. That's what you belong to today. Three, and I close. He'll give you a new plan. Here's the new plan. The new plan was this, that Haggai was saying, the book of Haggai to us, that by doing this, this is apocalyptic writing, that this would foreshadow what would to come. And to the best of my abilities, I have studied and sought, is that we know through scripture that Jesus would have to step into a temple and be recognized as the child or the son of God. I was said in the fullness of time, Cain, all of a sudden an angel visited a young woman and said, do not be afraid. Bring you good tidings of great joy. Talks with that lady and says to her, you shall conceive a child. And she said, how can this be? For I know not a man. And he said, the Holy Spirit shall overshadow you. For this thing that shall be inside of you shall not come from man, but shall come from God. <laughs> Read that lineage. Matthew 1 and in Luke 3. Whose name do you find there? Oh, Zerubbabel. God, what are you doing? Zerubbabel, where you're out, now you're back in. But I've got a plan that you don't understand. And that plan is bigger than you, son. That plan is going to usher through this lineage where you were out, now in. It's going to keep on going. And when the fullness of time comes, I'm going to send my son. And they're going to carry that beautiful baby up to the temple. There's going to be an old man sitting in the back. He's been going to the temple day after day after day after day. A man by the name of Simeon. And Simeon's going to come one day like all the other days. 
that all of a sudden Mary's going to pass before him and he's going to look to her and say, stop. Open up. Remove the garment from him. Can I just see his face? They're going to take that veil off and then he's going to cry out. Behold, now I can go. I can die now. For my eyes have seen my salvation. You didn't understand the book of Haggai. Haggai was pointing 10 generations down the road, Zerubbabel. 10 generations from now, they're going to carry in that beautiful child. That one that's going to bring salvation to Jew and Gentile. Red, yellow, black, and white. All the nations who are at war. What did he say after that? He's going to shake the heavens. He's going to shake the earth. We find that in Revelation. It's then and now already has and what shall be theologically. And what he was saying was, I'm going to send my child and he's going to come in that temple. What temple? This temple, Zerubbabel. And they're going to recognize the king is here. And some are not going to receive him because there is no, 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 no line behind him. There is no gold There is no lineage of people bowing down. He's going to be born in a stable. His smell is not going to be great because if he comes that way, only the rich think that they can behold him. But my child, the Son of God, didn't come just for the rich. He came for whoever shall call upon his name. But those that call upon his name, he'll give the right for them to become sons and daughters of God. And he will grow in my knowledge. He will grow as who he is already. And then he'll come back to the temple. And he'll open a book before their eyes. And he'll read from Isaiah. And thus it shall be fulfilled as the prophet has spoken that this day the Son of God has made his way into the world. And then I will pull him back for a time. But then at the right time he'll come walking down a hillside. And he'll see a man by John baptizing people. And then he will look at him and say, I need for you to baptize me but John will say I cannot baptize you sir I need what you have and Jesus said fulfill the scripture and John will baptize him and as John baptizes him a dove will come out of heaven and be about his head and a voice will cry out this is my beloved son in who I am well pleased and he will leave that place and he'll show I'm not a preacher in his house he'll show up at a wedding where a little girl was at and she's about to be ashamed because the wine has run out but Jesus will take the water and he'll turn it into wine. That's not about getting drunk. That's about saving the best for last. That's not about being ashamed. He's going to let that little girl know where religion left you dry and religion left you embarrassed. I am the son of God. I didn't come to bring you religion. I come to bring you life. I come to bring you joy. I come to turn this world upside down. I didn't bring 600 rules. I've come and brought the throne room of God into this place. Uh But he wouldn't stop there. He would open eyes and open ears and walk on water, cast out devils, eat with sinners, eat with tax collectors. He would even eat with rednecks from Timmonsville on occasion from time to time. But nevertheless, he would grow. And then they would reject him because he did not fit in the system. And then they would lie on him and beat him and tear his back apart. And then they would take him and place him upon a cross and curse him and give him vinegar to drink. But then they would pull him off that cross and throw him in the grave. Oh, well, the good news is Zerubbabel. He's not going to stay in that grave. On the third day, he's going to get up and be alive forevermore. 
<laughs> and that's when I'm going to shake the heavens. And I will shake the earth first through salvation. But it won't stop there. The kingdoms will fight against him. But there's coming a day that John saw in Revelation. And every knee's going to bow. And every tongue's going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. My God, this time. Stand with me. My God, stand with me. Hey. I need some singers. Somebody that can sing. Don't tell me what God can't do in your life. I don't care what your name is. Hey, hey. Come on, worship him. Worship him. Worship him. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Let's just worship him. Lift, lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Come on, let's praise Him. Let everything that have breath praise you, the Lord. Let everything that have breath praise you, the Lord. Oh, now don't you get it? Zerubbabel, I'm doing something that you don't understand. You're back in. Look to your neighbor and say you're back in. That's right. I said it. I'm talking to the backslidden preacher, backslidden Sunday school teacher, and I said that word. You can't say that word on Facebook, but I just said it. I'm talking to the backslidden, back road person. And you can't get more backslidden than a back road person. Unless you're in the balcony, right? I come to let you know I don't care. I'm that crazy pastor that loves the word. And I want to pull one more person out of the fire. I don't care what they say about you. I don't care about the rumors. I don't care what you sold. I don't care who you know. I don't care if your uncle's faster or boo-boo. I don't care. You understand? I serve a God that's able, exceedingly, abundantly able to turn your life around. I don't care what side of track you own. I don't care what your record says. I don't care what your credit score is. I just know a God that can turn your life around. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you are inspired by today's message. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and to follow us on our social media. If you would like to give to this ministry, visit us at pscog.org. Stay safe and have an incredible day in Jesus' name.